topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine authentic power. And now here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there. I'm always excited to introduce guests to you, but I have a very special guest today, somebody who's dear to my heart. Have you ever had a situation where you meet someone and you feel as if you've known them forever? Well, my guest, Samantha Lazelle, that's how it felt. We were brought together um, by a mutual friend um, to do some work together. And then very quickly, the mutual friend disappeared and our friendship blossomed. And she's a very special lady. Now, the whole theme of today's show is around recovery from trauma and abuse, neglect. I think it's very sad that here we are in the 21st century when abuse of children and adults, bullying, neglect, it's still so common. And in fact, during lockdown, they talk about how many more children um, experienced terrible abuse and women domestic generally speaking women domestic violence and because children weren't going into school uh, particularly in the uk there was nobody who had an oversight to see what was going on but even that is no guarantee and this is a, a show and i hope those of you that are listening if you are in the professional world of supporting and helping and protecting children particularly but people in general please listen to this because there are so many lessons that could come out of this conversation that we're going to be having. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is it that people are unkind to one another or unkind to somebody else? Why is it that people feel the need to, um, to be aggressive and to hurt particularly children? You know, when it's the very people who we ought to be able to trust to look after us when we're little and that they betray that trust. It just strikes me that actually the fault lies not just with them, but with society as a whole. You know, when you read about Dickens and what was going on in London and, you know, children being put up chimneys and uh, living on the streets, you put that into, you know, well over a century ago, and you'd like to think that that was no longer happening. And yet, children are consistently being neglected and abused, being left to roam the streets. There are street children in many countries. There are children who are starving, who don't have enough to eat, children who feel unloved. And I just want us to think about what is it that we can do that can help because it's very easy to feel completely helpless. And I would say to you that, you know, look to yourself first. You know, how often do you uh, speak unkindly 
to other people? How often are you critical? Or how often do you walk past something with thinking, I'm not going to deal with that? Because ultimately, I do think that each of us has some responsibility in terms of how we as a society look after young people, look after those who are vulnerable. In the news in the UK, there's been a, a terrible case of a, a young uh, boy, six years old, who was taken away from, I believe his mother died, and his father and stepmother took charge of him. And they were consistently and systematically cruel to him and sadly he died. Now that is despite the fact that his grandparents were trying to get something done and got social services involved but they did not see the signs and they said everything was okay. How many times do we turn a blind eye? I know from my time as a teacher and as a head teacher one of the things that I found most challenging to deal with was when a child disclosed that somebody was being abusive, cruel, neglectful of them, or that we noticed a child wasn't thriving. And even once that was noticed, trying to get the powers that be to actually take any notice was one of the frustrations. And I know one of the few times where I had to throw my toys out of the pram um, and get really stroppy at times to get things done. And I do appreciate that the professionals involved were overwhelmed and overworked and lots of agency workers. And so this is a perennial question. Well, why is it that so many people who have had a difficult childhood go on to give their own children a difficult childhood? And is that because they haven't had anybody model a loving relationship to them? Is it because that in the being controlling or cruel to someone else it makes you feel strong and in control and ultimately that is a huge illusion if you're listening to this then please you know if you're brave enough let us know that this is a subject which is dear to your heart and remember that any contribution to the show as a question or a comment that triggers us making a donation to b1g1 and our guests, we donate on their behalf. And my guest, Samantha Lizelle, will tell us who she's donating or who we are donating on her behalf to. But you can help. And there are many of the uh, projects that are in within B1G1 are about supporting children, young people, and, and um, generally women, although some men do get abused, don't just think it is women, to get a fresh start. So if you are listening and you uh, have a question or you're listening to a download, email me. And if you contribute in that way, we will make sure that a donation goes to a project that supports those vulnerable people who are being in some way abused. So just email and we'll, we'll make sure that that goes forward. So think about how often have you been made uncomfortable because somebody has been overcritical or unkind to you? And if you think about the continuum of unkindness, you know, somebody being perhaps thoughtless or unkind to you is at one end of the scale. And then there is abuse that is so awful that it comes at the other end of the scale. But ultimately, if you're on the receiving end of that trauma, in a sense, it's not about comparing my traumas worse than yours. In the same way that if I've got a broken leg, saying to Somebody's saying to me, well, it's all right, you've only got one broken leg, I've got two broken legs, the legs are just as broken, and the pain is there. So this is not something to compare, but it is something to recognise 
that because you have had a, a, an experience of other people being unkind to you, cruel, neglectful, abusive, you then have choices. And the choice is that you can carry that baggage and let it color your whole life, or you can choose to use that in a very different way. And that's what we're going to be exploring after the break. It doesn't cost anything to be kind to people. It doesn't cost anything to be mindful that the words that you use don't necessarily land in the way in which you intend them. And it's very easy to bruise and to hurt um, somebody's self-confidence and uh, their ability to feel good about themselves. You know, the parents that are listening to this, please recognize that you, know, you have huge power to give your children a fabulous start by making them feel good about themselves or to really hold them back and give them um, a huge hurdle to, to take to overcome if you've been overcritical. Now, I absolutely recognize that kids don't come with a manual and it's very hard when you're working and you're tired and your child's being a pain in the neck sometimes to, to know how best to deal with it. And I would say to you, part of this is about how you set your expectations, where your boundaries are. Kids need boundaries, but they need to be sensible, reasonable ones. And if your child, you know, crosses the boundary and is behaving badly, then criticize the behavior and not the child. Not you're stupid, but you know, you're very sensible, but and that, but what you're doing isn't. I don't expect that from you. I expect better of you because that's how we, we operate in this family, which leads me to, you've got to model the behaviors that you want from your children. It is no good telling your child not to swear, for example, if you swear, or not to smoke, if you smoke, or not to be unkind to other people, if you are consistently criticizing and being unkind to them. So after the break, I'm going to introduce Samantha to you, and we're going to have a conversation and the theme of that conversation is love and self-compassion is the answer, even in the most difficult circumstances. And Samantha's going to share her, her story with you because there's so many lessons to take from it. So don't go away. We'll see you after the break. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. 
Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving. The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. I'm delighted to introduce Samantha Lazelle to you. Let me read you her bio. Samantha is fully invested in personal development and enlightened leadership after creating a healing path from the extreme challenges of her early life through compassionate self-healing to become the successful leader that she is today. She is a practicing yogi and meditator, um, a me me meditator, a yoga and meditation teacher, and co-owns a multi-award-winning yoga studio called Same Star Yoga, which is in East Burkholt in Suffolk in the UK. Samantha believes that real and lasting healing is possible for anyone who commits to the work and is constantly looking for new ways to support people in their healing journey. She's currently in the process of writing her first book with the aim of reaching a wider audience with this positive message. It is my huge privilege and pleasure to welcome my friend, Samantha Lazelle. Hi, Gina. Hello there, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd be really grateful if you could share your story and just put this whole thing into context before we start talking about um, how you have moved uh, forward and how you help other people. Sure, okay. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful oh, to pleasure. have this opportunity to share my story to a wider audience um, and hopefully it will resonate with, with some of your audience. Um, so if we can rewind all the way back to um, when I was a baby, uh, that's when it all began. And uh, I was adopted as a, as a young baby. Um, my birth mother um, felt that she couldn't look after me and so gave me up to, uh, it was a private adoption to a couple who uh, were childless and looking to adopt. Um, and this, there was no reason to believe that they were anything other than genuinely wanting to do that and uh, and so then the years rolled on and they adopted other children and then things went really badly wrong and we had a sort of a decade plus of uh, constant abuse from the uh, the woman the, my adoptive mother um, and there were lots of social services professionals and uh, the police were, were around and and uh, teachers were involved and there were certainly lots of people who who kind of knew what was happening in the house but nobody really stepped in and did anything and 
the, the sort of the trauma and the abuse was very much normalized. So for us as children, um, we didn't really understand that it was abuse to begin with. You know, it's not yeah. how we saw it. That's just how our household was. There was lots of shouting, lots of arguing, um, lots of physical violence, physical punishment, uh, withholding of food, um, neglect, uh, just, just, just generally being uncared for. And then there would be phases where we were overly cared for. So if other people were coming around or family were coming around, then suddenly we would be showered with gifts and we would be um, expected to behave in, in this sort of perfect way. Um, because, of course, if we didn't get it right, then there would be consequences afterwards. And then we would go back into this other side of, of this yeah. uh, of, of the scenario. And so... As children, we were always very much on edge and and wondering what we could do, what was wrong with us that this was happening. We also didn't really understand whether, as young children, whether this was happening just to us or whether this was how all families were. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is how all families were. You don't you don't know. And so it's only You've got nothing to compare it with, have you? No, absolutely. And so you know the. The experience of the day to day is very different from then the hindsight of looking back on it as an adult or as a teen, mm. as you're kind of yeah. looking back on that. And it's almost re-traumatizing as you're sort of seeing what you mm. thought was normal and actually looking through the lens when you actually understand what it was. There were things that you thought, oh, and, and that happened. Oh, I thought that was just what happened to everybody. Oh, that wasn't OK then. And so it's it's been a long, long process of really understanding what this was about. And so without, you know, um, wanting to trigger anybody or, uh, you know, traumatise any of, of your audience, you know, the abuse I'm talking about is sort of starvation. Certainly the, the court case that I was involved in, they took uh, pictures away of us as children that they used to as evidence to show that we were malnourished. Um, there was lots of doctor's reports for non-accidental injuries, including um, knife injuries, um, including um, catastrophic injuries to my two um, adopted brothers that, that necessitated hospital stays of, of weeks and longer. Um, but nothing changed, nothing happened. So although these professionals were involved, so every time something you'd think, oh, well, maybe maybe now some oh they're not happy they're not helping oh so this must be normal this must be okay um this must be okay in their kind of world and and so yeah it was not only the physical abuse and the neglect but also the psychological abuse which has taken an awful lot longer you know it's easy to to heal from broken bones it's easier to heal from bruises from from that kind of thing but actually unpicking all of that is is what's taken the time and, and what takes the effort. I think. I think just to put things into perspective, um, I believe that your adopted parents also fostered other children during this period. Yes, yes many many other children. Yes, yes. And I also <laughs> believe that the court case didn't happen until much much later. Yes. when you were well into adulthood could you perhaps it, because i think for people listening it may have sounded that finally somebody did something while you were children oh but I that see. never happened did it no it didn't 
No, it didn't, unfortunately. No, I did report the situation to the police, well, to Samaritans, actually. Um, I phoned the Samaritans when I was 15 years old and, um, and threatened to commit suicide um, because I was just so desperate. And so they, they sent the police round and uh, they did actually arrest her at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And they interviewed us in front of her because that's what was that's what how it was done then it was I mean, obviously we didn't say anything and then um and it was all dropped nothing was really done um and it wasn't until 30 years later actually uh 2017 no sorry 2016 that the police knocked on my door and asked if i would be a witness because they were looking into the case um, because of a report that had been made of historical child abuse. And so I agreed after speaking to my children um, about it, um, I decided, yes, I, I would um, give evidence. And so then um, there was a two-year investigation um, by the Crown Prosecution Service um, when they gathered all of the evidence for just the three of us adopted children, none of the foster children were mentioned so I, I honestly have no idea of, of how many of, of those would uh, still have an outstanding case I, I, I don't know I'm not privy to that information um, but for us um, there was a they decided that there was enough evidence to prosecute and uh, right at the last minute um, she pled guilty to all charges and I was sent to prison was, was sentenced um, in at the end, uh, middle of 2017 and, uh, and went to prison, yeah. One of the things that you, one might say is that, you know, going through years and years of the trauma and abuse that you experienced was in itself a sort of prison sentence because mm -hmm. the danger with that is it can keep you stuck feeling a victim um, and constantly reliving it and I I know there are many people who've gone through that sort of trauma and it just takes over their whole life yeah one of the things that struck me you know when we met and I heard your story is that that's not the case for you in fact quite the opposite in terms of how you you turn up on a, a moment by moment basis <laughs> can you talk us through you know, how come you I'm not for one moment saying that you didn't suffer and it hasn't been a real challenge, but how come you've not been a victim that you have dealt with this differently? Hmm. It's a question I ask myself. I, I, I always believed that I had a choice and I don't know where that belief came from. Okay. Within me, I knew I had a choice. Um, and I chose love. Mm -hmm. And as I say, I, I don't know where that came from, but I, I knew in my heart that I could choose to let this be my life. I could choose to, to go down this road of, of being like them in my childlike way. You know, mm -hmm. I could be like them or I could be different. And if I was gonna mm -hmm. be different, then I needed to choose love because that's what I wasn't feeling. Yeah. That's what I wasn't experiencing. And so I knew that that's what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why that made the difference. I don't know how that how that translated into action, but it did. And so I, I made that choice very early on when I was a, a small child that I was going to stay with love and that whatever happened, I didn't need to behave the way they did. Mm -hmm. So all I had as a framework was how I didn't want to behave. Okay. How I didn't want to be, what I didn't want the result to be. Okay. And so from from that, I've taken some odd turns and, some, <laughs> and there's been some dead ends and there's been, you know, some, some things I've needed to work out, but that has been my path to not be that way, to choose love. And so when there was a fork in the road, to choose the path that was love, that was about kindness, that was about compassion. Um, and it hasn't always worked out to my benefit, but I would always choose that path again because it has made me who I am. It's interesting. I would suspect that it might not have worked out to your benefit in that moment, but in the longer term, choosing yeah. that path is ultimately is to your benefit and yes. creates a life that's very different than if you'd made other choices. Um, we've got a buffering issue, but um, when uh, Samantha returns to us, I'm going to explore with her how how did um, how did she move through her adult life? Because Samantha's story is remarkable. Um, having come from a, a, a situation where life was abusive and actually the powers that be put her back into a situation which was also abusive. You know, interviewing a child in front of social services, in, in front of the very person who has abused you, um, is a form, I believe, of institutional abuse. The child can't be honest. The child can't um, feel safe because they'll be worried about recriminations. And so if you are ever in that situation where you are, you believe that, that a child is at risk, I would really urge you to, to think about um, how you're going to give that child the very best opportunity. Um, so Samantha's backed out of the, of the, um, the, the uh, programme. She's, hopefully she's going to come back very soon. Ah, oh, looks, there you are, lovely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's I, all right. I just lost uh, power, and uh, but it, it's funny, isn't it? Because we were talking about the show, how that had happened to me a couple of times, and there we go. I put the hex on it. I'd like to 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 move on in terms of your adult journey, sure. Because when I look at, at you, what you do now, and and how you teach other people, and you help other people heal, what have been the things do you think that have helped you? heal and you know the journey that you've taken as an adult that I think people would find that not only interesting but very helpful. Sure so as we were just talking about um, I found that I, I knew what I didn't want mm -hmm. and so although I didn't necessarily know what I wanted I res I could feel harmony and dissonance in in things that were happening and I okay. knew to avoid dissonance even though it was familiar and so yeah. to begin with as I was a young adult you kind of go towards what's familiar or you back away from what's familiar you know you, you have that push and pull yeah. and so it took me a while to work out 
what that looks like and, yeah. and how it presented. Once I became an adult and I could sort of have my own autonomy in terms of being able to make many more choices for myself, um, I think choosing love or choosing compassion, and I think the compassion is, is really important. It's not only about compassion for other people, but compassion for myself. Absolutely. So, so compassion for all of the parts of me that experienced all of those things. And even though, you know, now I'm a 50 year old woman, I have great compassion for the parts of me that experience that. And I can sit with that and, and allow those parts to be held um, in, in a way that they need to be. And so I think part of my, my journey through healing has been that acceptance of, of needing to nurture myself and learning how to do that when I hadn't necessarily had that modeled for me because I had no mother figure in those formative years. And mm. although I have met my birth mother, my mum, you know, and, and we have a great relationship, um, those formative years when I was looking to make that connection or looking to understand mm -hmm. how that would feel, I didn't have it. No. And so, again, I had a choice to make. Either I was going to allow that to mean that I didn't know how to mother or I was going to learn how to mother myself and then right. I would be able to, to mother my own children. Um, and that's been a, a great exploration as well. I've learned so much about what being a mother is through having my own children and yeah. looking after other children rather than um, having had that experience myself. Does that answer your question? It does. What do you think are the things that have helped you along the way? Hmm. Patience. Patience with myself. I think meeting key people like like you Gina you know these you know I have people who have come into my life um who've been introduced into my life and you never quite know what the purpose is but but they unlock something for you yeah um and you know from the from you know the conversations we've had and the work that we've done together that it's been really key there's been really key things that that you, it's so hard to do for yourself yeah you really need to have a mirror held up to you by somebody compassionately but somebody who's saying, now, come on, it's time to deal with this now. It's time to look at this yeah. now. You're strong enough, it's, you know, and, and then you have that confidence to, to be able to do it mm. with support. And so I think recognising those people as they've come into my life, mm -hmm. I think recognising what love is rather than what I thought love was. So which is why I think compassion is so much more mm. important because we don't necessarily know what unconditional love looks like if we yeah. haven't had that gifted to us and i think that's so powerful um and i think you know kindness and compassion sort of there's almost a graded you know it's easier to start small where if you're talking mm -hmm. about uncon uh, unconditional love it feels can feel overwhelming can't it whereas being yes. a little bit kind to yourself being compassionate to yourself yes. and others is something that it's a bite-sized chunk that you can build up. Definitely, so, definitely. 
what role has yoga taken because you know now you're a, a you know you're a yogi you teach um uh, other people to be yoga teachers you your studio's got a fabulous reputation but it's obviously had a profound um role in your growth and development why did you and what got you started and and why yoga and how has it helped so i found my way to yoga the way a lot of people do was because i had a back injury um, okay and and so i was recommended yoga and i thought okay this is a physical thing and so it, it will help me with that and i you know i did a bit my back felt better um and so i stopped and then my back hurt again and so i did a bit more yoga <laughs> um, as you do when you when yeah. you, you know the physical thing you need that reminder of actually yeah um the, the pain is a clue and then i found over the years that whenever things became overwhelming or whenever there was a lot of stuff going on for me um, i would find my way back to the mat and i would find a yoga class and i would feel better and it was like that for a long time um, mm -hmm. until I took a really deep dive um, into yoga and, and different styles of yoga and mm -hmm. much more of a meditation side. Yeah. Um, and then really discovered a way of, of allowing myself to, to sit with the things that I needed to work on. So I've always been a very busy person, mm -hmm. um, busy mind and just very busy. Um, and so finding a way to be still and to have something to to focus around whilst i worked on these things was hugely important to me yeah. so you know i could do lots of physical exercise and that always felt great you get those lovely endorphins and everything and that's yeah. amazing and i still love doing that now yeah there was a particular type of yoga called yin yoga um which is seated and reclined poses so it's completely accessible um, doesn't require you to have any prior knowledge, doesn't, you don't need to be any particular way, you don't need to know any particular thing. Um, and these little mini sort of mini retreats for four minutes at a time, you can just mm -hmm. be with something and it didn't feel too overwhelming. I could just be with a thought or start to understand how I felt. And that was really key, just give me the space to do that. And so as I became more um, conversant with this style of mm. yoga and, and practiced more, I found that it really sort of supercharged my personal development because it was giving me the time, giving me the access to this inner world in a way that talking therapies wasn't because there's always someone else there. Yeah. Whereas when it's you being guided by a teacher but mostly it's silence mm -hmm. and so having the body held in these particular positions with props it's very supportive um i learned to be compassionate even more compassionate to myself mm -hmm. and so in doing that again you're practicing this kindness how can i be kind to myself how can i listen to my needs in this moment mm -hmm. and then suddenly you realize oh that's how it feels to meet my own needs maybe mm. i can do that off the map and so it was just a, this rolling you know once the snowball starts it, it really gets yeah. going and so then i found that i was making just leaps and bounds in my personal development and being able to really work with with really big issues that i had never felt 
I was resilient enough or strong enough or ready to deal with. And as you know, you know, I've, I've really worked with, with some big things now. And, uh, you certainly have. And to be able to grow through my trauma mm -hmm. um, and not live with it. It's not that it's not there. Of course, those things will always have happened to me. And my childhood is what it was. Yes. It's not in ignoring that. It's not in saying that, oh, it's okay because I feel better about it now. It was still wrong and there was still people needed to face justice for what happened. It's not a negation of any of that, but it's a freeing of myself from it so that I can live the life that I deserve to live free from the effect of it in my life. Without you know, what strikes me and I, you know, having done, you know, our conversations and work together and work with a number of people who have been through mm -hmm. abuse, for me, the, the key is when you are able to forgive mm -hmm. and recognise that forgiveness is not, and we've talked about it a lot in this show, but forgiveness is not about condoning and you've talked about, you know, there needed to be justice, not yes. retribution, but justice. No. Uh, it's not about forgetting. It is about recognizing that by forgiving the people who have hurt you, you free yourself. It's not for them that you forgive them, but you let go of that chain that keeps yanking you back into that place. Um, and it's such a powerful tool to help you overcome pretty well any difficulty. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And it's interesting for me that actually forgiving my adoptive mother was relatively easy. Mm. Um, and I found that really interesting that actually the person who perpetuated this, this abuse actually, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally um, abused me and my brothers for over a decade it was relatively easy to forgive her because she was clearly mentally ill. Yeah. She was clearly unstable. And there were many other adults around who were not, whose responsibility it was to step in. Yes. Including my adoptive father and the social workers and the police and the teachers and all the friends' parents who clearly knew that things yeah. were not right at home clearly could see the bruises, clearly could see that we were malnourished, not cared for, all of these things. Yeah. It was m a much longer journey to forgive those mm. people, but it was also possible. Yeah. And so having gone through that experience myself, um, I do now teach forgiveness workshops. Mm. I work with people one-to-one, working with forgiveness as a tool uh, for liberation yeah. um, to free yourself from from those things that you're really wedded to really mm. you know we we tie ourselves so tightly to these yeah. things these things that we resist the things that we don't want in our lives we bind ourselves to them we certainly do <laughs> you know yeah. and and the tool is not another harshness it's no. a softening and it's a caring for and it's a nurturing of those parts that needed to be taken care of back then, but weren't. 
Yeah. And so how can we do that now and, and create that loving kindness, that loving mm. compassion that was missing? And it's never too late to do that. No. It's, you know, there's always time. It's always worth it. And although it can feel very challenging, mm. ultimately it's not difficult if you believe it isn't difficult. Well, whatever you believe becomes your reality, doesn't it? So I often challenge people, as you know, Ruth is saying, when they say that's going to be really difficult, well, that's a belief. Um, yes. And ultimately, the belief is often the trick is the, uh, the, the first thing that you can shift. And the second thing is that giving yourself permission yes. that actually you don't have to hold by you letting go of the of the hurt and forgiving doesn't in some way cancel out the fact that somebody's done something wrong. And I know a number of people that, they, you know, if I forgive them, then it makes it all right. Yes. Well, no, it doesn't. You can forgive them. It's still what they did is still just as wrong as before you forgave them. Yes. But it's the work is actually how it empowers you yes. rather than anything to do with them. Yeah. Now, we've got a few minutes left and I want to move on to your exciting new uh, development because you've just moved into this whizzy purpose built studio, haven't you? Yes, we have. Yes, we've been so fortunate to be able to design our our own yoga studio. It really is um, such a beautiful space, um, and we're really enjoying the the yeah the, the interior build out at the moment. Yeah, it's wonderful to be teaching. Now, there'll be lots of people who'll be saying, "Well, I live in America. How can that help me?" Or I live in Devon or Scotland, mm -hmm. but actually. They can join you, can't they? Because of absolutely. the wonder of technology. So talk absolutely. people through how they can join you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at least half of our classes are online um, mm -hmm. as well. We've <coughs> two awards for our, our online studio. We have state-of-the-art equipment um, for you to join us. Uh, video, audio, um, it's really top quality. Uh, I also work with people online as one-to-ones and I can hold space for one-to-ones, one-to-twos, groups of people. So if there's a, a group of you that would want to get together and, and have uh, you know, one of the forgiveness workshops or anything like that, then I'm really able to facilitate that. So wherever you are in the world, um, it's no barrier at all. And I believe you've at times you've worked with families, haven't you? Um, that, yeah. that they, I think that's a wonderful thing to do together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and having everybody in the room really listen to each other. And so much of forgiveness when you're working with people one to one is about deep listening. Mm. It's about people having the opportunity to say what they need to say without the fear that it's going to take back something that happened, as you said. You know, so when if you say, I, I really would like to work on forgiving this person in my life of something that's happened but that doesn't mean it was okay and it's it's really important that people have that opportunity to to say what they need to say and really be listened to really be heard because the validation is so important so so yeah. important being heard and and I'm really happy to listen really happy to listen now you also teach people how to be yoga teachers, don't you? Yes, we do. Yes. How yes, did no. that come about? 
Um, so my business partner, Faye Ritchies, and I um, run a yoga teacher training program. Um, and it's a year-long course. And you can work with us uh, in small groups. Um, and, and we take people on a journey through the lineages that we teach, vinyasa, hatha, and yin yoga. Uh, and, and you can learn the philosophy, the practices, um, the energetic systems, but also how to hold space for mm -hmm. others to go on their journey. And we're really interested in bringing out people's unique strengths. It's not about molding yourselves into what we are. It's about really reaching in and, and again, with that deep listening, hearing what's going yeah. on in your own heart. And it's so important. The world really needs more and more people to come to that place of deep listening and compassion. And we're really so thrilled that our teacher training program, we have over 25 graduates now um, and, and growing all the time. And so we're thrilled to be sending these people out into the world and, uh, and, and have them still connected with us um, to be able to support as many people as possible. It's fabulous. And I know from um, from watching you grow in the time I've known you, that this is just the beginning, that there is much more to come. I've changed the format of the show and we've only got a, a couple of minutes left. I'm just um, desperately looking at the clock. Um, and so we're not going to go into a break and then the final bit. But I just want to spend this last couple of minutes of the show. If you are listening to this and you have been affected by abuse and you have been a victim of abuse, then please take heart from this it doesn't have to color your life if you need some help reach out to samantha reach out to me both of us in our different ways um, help people who have been abused um, to to come to wholeness if you are someone and you recognize that you are you have been unkind you are abusing somebody else that you are bullying please reach out because you need as much help. And sometimes it, I think it feels easier for the person who's on the receiving end of the abuse to reach out because they feel there's less judgment. But ultimately, if you are someone and you know that you lose your call, perhaps after alcohol or because uh, life is, is difficult for you, please, please get some help. Let's find a way of breaking the cycle so that as we move forward that no child has to go through the trauma and abuse that samantha went through or many many young people and well older people too are experiencing on a moment by moment basis remember we talk a lot on this show about everything you do is a choice but not making an active choice is also a choice. And that's often where there are the greatest uh, consequences. You know, it's up to you to reach out. It's up to you to make a difference. Before we finish, B1G1, Buy One, Give One, an amazing organization. Samantha, you've chosen um, uh, providing education for children. Um, any particular reason for that choice? Well, for me, it was a real liberation, um, being able to be educated and being able to read, being able to access uh, educational facilities and, and know that I wasn't alone. 
and and so I think you know if there's one thing that that can help is is to know that you're not alone and I think education is a great way of doing that of reaching as many people as possible thank you and we'll get that going we've reached the end of the show thank you Samantha for being so honest and open about your experiences and I'm sure it'll be of huge help to other people thank you for joining us please please share the show don't forget we will donate um, for as many downloads as we get um, please think about how you can be the leader in your own life take charge of your life in a positive way and Take care and I'll see you next week. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye now. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.